Let us pray. Lord, you have been teaching us for so long. From a lesson you taught long ago, teach us again this morning that we might go out to live as your faithful disciples. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. We are still in the season of Epiphany. And to review, in case you all didn't get up this morning and check the liturgical calendar, Epiphany is a day, January 6th, and that's a moment when we remember the Magi coming to the Christ child and encountering the divine. But it is not just backward looking, not just a memorial. Epiphany is also the whole season between Christmas and Lent when we are all looking to encounter Christ in the world. It's a great time to read the Gospel of Mark because Mark tells the story of Christ's ministry as a series of epiphanies. Mark reads like a graphic novel, scene after scene of Jesus out in public doing stuff. He's calling people, he's teaching, he's healing, he's feeding. There are almost no transitions between scenes in Mark, just time markers that keep the action moving. Mark's favorite word is immediately. He says, just then, and as soon as they left, and in the morning. In every scene, he shows Jesus doing something that demonstrates his authority and showing the people who see him that he's a different kind of authority from the empire around them. Now, some people see these works and recognize the Lord immediately. Others understand only gradually that Jesus is a different thing from what they're used to. Their epiphanies dawn over time as they keep seeing power used in love. Mark is also a great book to read this season because the action builds as we go. More and more people see what Jesus is doing, and they make the choice to follow him, just as we have the choice to live as disciples over and over again. They will eventually follow him all the way to the cross, as we will during Holy Week, and to the empty tomb, as we will on Easter morning. But today, our text moves immediately from the call of the first four disciples we read last week to a story of Jesus teaching and healing. We're picking up literally with the very next verse from last week. So you remember that Jesus called Simon and Andrew, James and John, and immediately they left their nets and boats as fishermen and followed him. Now we've moved from the shore of the Sea of Galilee to the city of Capernaum. And even though the action of this scene I'm about to read seems really dramatic, it happens in a very undramatic space. Jesus and his friends are at church. It's the Sabbath. Jesus is going to teach in the synagogue I think he's sort of the guest preacher for the day, and usually guest preachers don't rock the boat too much. I feel certain that the folks who went to worship in Capernaum that day weren't expecting a lot of action, but in this scene, they end up not just listening to a lesson, but watching one happen. Hear now God's word from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. 
Jesus, Simon, Andrew, James, and John went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing the man and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the first of several healings in Mark's gospel, and in each one, Jesus engages with someone who is a reject. Now, I know that sounds mean. We're not supposed to call people rejects. But that is how first century communities handled people who were problematic for any reason. They kept them physically out, out of people's homes, out of the synagogue, even out of town. If someone had a contagious disease like leprosy or a skin disorder, they were kept away from everyone else. Some people were rejected because of the purity laws of the day, some because they were women, some because their families didn't pass cultural muster. Some were put out because of plain old bigotry and judgment. Those are not new. In some of these stories, we can tell why someone was rejected. Leprosy is a condition we know. Paralysis, we know about that. Jesus will heal a man whose hand is described as withered. That resonates. We can picture that. But in other stories, people are rejected by their communities for reasons that are not obvious for us. Here, Mark tells us that a man with an unclean spirit walks into church. In the next chapters, people are described as being possessed with demons. What do we do with this language? What are these unclean spirits and demons possessing people? We're not a tradition of faith healings or driving evil out of people's bodies. I have no power to do that, I promise you. You can come up here, but I am not going to hit you in the head. (laughs) And Hollywood has not helped. We hear demon and think of a demogorgon or someone's head spinning independent of their body. The phrase unclean spirit makes it hard for modern readers to understand. It sounds dirty. It sounds like something that's probably the man's own fault that he should be able to wash or shake off. That language could take us down a distracting rabbit trail if we get stuck trying to identify what the unclean spirit was and, let's be honest, trying to make sure we don't have it. 
In fact, the language makes it easy for us not to see ourselves in this story at all. There's no alien spawn capturing our physical bodies, so this one's not for us. Eugene Peterson wrote a translation of the Bible in contemporary language. That translation is called The Message. He translates this verse as, a man who was deeply disturbed. Now, the word disturbed still has some problematic connotations, but maybe it helps us not to get tripped up trying to picture a demon, but to think about the many things that could have disturbed this man's well-being and broken his relationships. Over time, people have thought the spirit that had hold of this man was all kinds of things, from skin disease to seizure to mental health to something some traditions think is a lot like alien spawn gurgling inside him and trying not to be pulled out, we won't ever really know what it was for that one person so long ago. But what if the point is not about a particular unclean spirit, but about its hold over a person and how his community rejected him? What if the lesson is what Jesus shows the church as they sit there and watch someone who is suffering, who has not been allowed to come in and worship with them, meet his Lord and experience the epiphany of welcome. Instead of thinking that this story is not really about us, let's assume that every one of us has something in us that has the capacity to consume to take away our true selves and our voices, something that thrives on separating us from God and each other. Let's assume for a minute that we are this man healed in Mark chapter 1. This scene I can picture. A quiet congregation listens as Jesus teaches. Actually, it's better than that. They are astounded at his teaching. A preacher can hope. And as Jesus is teaching, a man walks in. He's either someone the congregation doesn't know, or he's someone they do know, and shock, they can't believe he has had the nerve to show his face in this sacred space, what with his fill-in-the-blank, his background, or his illness, or what happened with his family. Something has a tight grip on this man's life, so tight that he is being consumed by it. It seems that the only thing he can manage to do is walk into the place where Jesus is. We don't know why. We don't have reason to think he knows about Jesus or that he's there. We don't know whether this man was once part of that congregation and wanted to come back or was just walking in because... We don't know because the man never speaks in this story. Maybe he can't. Maybe he has lost his voice to the thing that is causing him to suffer. Or maybe he doesn't remember who he was before, fill in the blank. When we get past our obsession with unclean spirits, how many of us know this story? How many of us have felt controlled by something that wasn't really the real us? How many have said, that isn't really me, or 
I wasn't always like this. And how many of us have loved someone else who was consumed by a powerful something? Maybe it is health. Depression and anxiety can become the voices that speak for us. Or maybe the selves we want to be are overshadowed by shame or paralyzing grief or the weight of trauma or addiction we're doing our very best to hide. Or maybe we're losing ourselves to our culture of argument, letting judgments about other people grow inside us, believing, whether we say it out loud or not, that our culture actually is better than another. Our neighborhood, school, family are actually better than another. Maybe we believe we work harder and so deserve more than someone else. Maybe we've even adopted the thinly veiled but insidious language of racism and classism that pervade our public sphere. You wouldn't know any of that to look at any of us. But there inside are things that have taken root, things that can grow so strong that they take away our voices and tear us apart from God and one another. In that case, I sure hope this story is about us because Jesus sees that man. Jesus immediately recognizes the spirit that threatens to consume him and amazingly, vice versa. The spirit knows Jesus and knows that he is powerful enough to reclaim this beloved child of God, to make him whole and return him to community. The Spirit says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I sure hope the Lord sees the things we are working so hard to hide. I hope the Lord sees the pains and, yes, the wrongs inside us. I hope they will bump into divine love and they will be threatened by the power of that love. I hope it for myself. I hope that my insecurity and fear and the narratives I have about myself and others taken up free rent in my head. I hope all those disturbing things will see that I'm a beloved child of God and will say, oh, Jesus, I know who you are and your love wins. That is the miracle of this story. Something that wants to break us down sees the power of a Lord who wants to bring us back together. Now, the spirit doesn't like it. Jesus calls that disturbing spirit out, and there is a struggle. But that's a story we know, too. In the face of love, even divine love, depression, anxiety, shame, trauma, illness, addiction, bigotry, and narcissism are still determined to hold us. But divine love is stronger than all of them. And Jesus freed that man from whatever it was that held him. In some healing stories in the Bible, we get a tidy ending. The healed person is restored to the community. And you can hear the music swell and picture the credits starting to roll on the scene. But Mark doesn't bother with tidiness or endings. 
That isn't his style because he's off to the next scene. So we don't know what happened to this man. But Mark reminds us that while this healing was for him, it was also a lesson for the community. The people, the people who saw this miracle were amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching. Last week, as I started us on this journey with Mark, you remember that I said Mark has two big goals, to tell us the story of Jesus and to guide us to choose the life of discipleship, even though it leads to the cross. We meet Jesus here. We meet Jesus teaching us that his love is stronger than whatever disturbs or wants to control us. We see that even the person who was almost consumed was welcome with his Lord. And church, while we see that we cannot heal ourselves or each other, we also see what a congregation of disciples can do. We can dare to walk in, and we can welcome and love everyone else who does too. May it be so. Amen.